I'm Joe Jacobson at Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to Wickham Sound. The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderer Show. It's been a busy week since we last spoke. There's been two games to speak of. Uh, the win at MK Dons. Hooray! The defeat at home to Cambridge. Ooh. And also... <laughs> also, uh, a showbiz premiere to attend. It's not Halloween yet. Uh, nearly oh, is, actually. No, <laughs> or Panto. Uh, but we'll be hearing from Adebayo Akinfenwa a bit later on as well, who we caught up with at the uh, double screening of Beast Mode on uh, yesterday at Wickham Swan, uh, which we attended as well. We'll get the thoughts of the general public uh, who, who saw it too. We'll get their thoughts, as I say. We'll catch up with manager Gareth Ainsworth, who uh, uh, did his press session today at Adams Park after a business networking event. I know told you there's lots going on and also uh, this hour we'll hear from a former Wickham Wanderers player Danny Sender who featured on our coverage on Tuesday night with Phil and uh, also we'll be catching up with a former Wanderers manager as well Paul Bentz uh, shares his memories of his time in charge in the early 80s and reflects a bit on his own playing career as well and also talks to us about some of the, uh, the key players that he brought to the club including a certain Mark West after taking over from Mike Keane as well so lots to bring you, and we'll reflect on how Wickham Wanderers women have got on this week as well. Uh, they were in uh, Women's FA Cup action uh, this uh, past Sunday, and also uh, they'll be uh, back in league action very soon as well. So we'll be uh, bringing news on that, and look ahead to the Family Day as well on Saturday at Adams Park, where Morecambe are the visitors. We're in a bit of a run of uh, home games, of course, starting with that game against Cambridge on Tuesday night. All that and possibly more to come as well uh, in the next hour here on Wickham Sound. It's the Wickham Wanderer Show here every week. Uh, well, certainly during the football season anyway. And uh, also this season, Series 3 as we call it, uh, we've uh, been catching up with Phil for our media debrief. Uh, our media debrief? Our match debrief, that's what it's actually called. And uh, we've got lots to reflect on this week. We'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth, uh, as I say, speaking after that game uh, against Cambridge United at Adams Park on Tuesday. But we start... Uh, last Saturday uh, with a win as well Uh, this one against MK Dons of course after uh, quite a run of wins uh, as well yeah it's brilliant to go to um, MK and get the win um, because county rivals etc a bit of recent history with the playoffs so yeah to get a win there and send them bottom of the table as it was then was was quite sweet for Wickham Wanderers Um, I think mainly the three points was what was what was after but both sides have made bad starts to the season MK Dons in particular Wickham I think the needle's pointing up now, which is good. Um, but yeah, it was a good good result to get. The only down point was it was only 1-0 and it, it really should have been more. And speaking to Gareth ahead of the game as well, there's a real sense in there that sort of injured players coming back and, and things are starting to, to sort of come together. Yes, yeah, I think so. I think it's built from the back as well with Alfie Mawson playing uh, every week now, every game. Uh, Max Striek's been brilliant, so the foundations are solid and Sam Vokes is getting sharper, which is fantastic and, and nearing full match fitness. I would say, having seen him now twice this week. Um, so, yeah, injured players on the way back too. But the squad's decent, so they should be getting the, they should be picking these points up now. And goals start to come from other areas as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's nice for Nick Freeman to get on the score sheet as well in a, in a big game, and it was a great goal for him as well. Um, and that's a story that just gets better and better the more, the more games he plays. And there's something really nice as well, isn't there, about an away win, and especially against a sort of county rival, as you say. Yeah, yeah, it's... It was a really good turnout for the Wickham fans and it was a tough game because of the train issues. Uh, no strikes, so the trains were running, but then there were issues, I think, with signals coming out of Euston. So a lot of Wickham fans uh, were late or had a struggle to get there or had to get taxis 
from central London, which wouldn't have been easy or cheap. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people going the extra mile, quite literally, on Saturday to get there in what is normally a fairly local game for us. So, um, but yeah, always good to beat the local neighbours. So what pleased you most about the performance? I think um, defensively, resolute. I don't think MK Dons tested them too much, but when they threw bits and pieces at Max at the end of the game because it was still 1-0, and I think Max is looking like a really, really good acquisition. Um, He makes really good saves, quite simply. Nothing overly spectacular. That's because I think his positional sense is bang on. Um, So, yeah, he looks to have been a really exciting signing. So um, so that was a a really good plus point. Um, And, yeah, I think... You know, we created chances, the downside being we didn't take them all. But um, I'd rather it was that way round, really, and that they were creating stuff because hopefully they can sharpen up in the next few games and, and put a few teams away. I think we said when we've spoken before, but I've, I've heard from fans as well who are so impressed with the way Max has settled in, and, and that must be quite hard for a goalkeeper as well. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an unforgiving position, um, but you, you stood next to the fans as well, which helps, so you can build up that bond. He seems like a great character. He's got a bit of a glint in his eye, as I've said before. Um, I think he's going to be one to watch, um, and we'll see what he does this year. The more we get to know him, there'll be more interviews to come, no doubt, and we'll find out a bit more. Uh, I'm yet to meet his massive dog. Uh, I'm, I can't report any more news on that. Uh, I'm still alive, so that's, that's one good be- uh, bonus of that, I think, so... Have you done anything towards helping him find a place to live as well? I believe he's settled now in the area. I don't know where, but I believe he has found somewhere to live. Uh, more importantly, he's found somewhere to live where his dog can also live with him as well. <laughs> it's a real, real insight we're getting here, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. That's what Have I'm... any other players approached you with any sort of um, requests or requirements? that you? That I don't know. You know maybe you? like um, Gareth McCleary has a sort of a troublesome parakeet or something. I'm not sure if he does. Um, but, you know, we're, we're here to help. That's what we do here at the club. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gareth McLeary's troubles from Parakeet could, could be a real chant on the, on the terraces soon yeah I think I saw them play at the White Horse about 20 years ago <laughs> <laughs> and very well they, very well they went down as well so yeah no, fantastic to get as you say that result and um, really good sort of vibe I suppose m- moving forward in, into Tuesday night as well yeah, well, everything was looking good, wasn't it? Three games against uh, teams, tough teams, Oxford, Peterborough and MK Dons. Nine points, three home games in the league to come. Everything was looking good. And then Cambridge, you know, to be frank, at Wickham's Wickham on the Tuesday night. And um, Wickham made three defensive lapses. Cambridge punished them on every single time. Yes, there was a couple of refereeing decisions that went against them, but I agree with Gareth on this one. If you if you let the team in three times, your opposition in three times, you let three goals in, you make it very very difficult no matter where you're playing. So um, I think yeah, you have to the point the the, the the finger of blame at the team for this one rather than the officials. Were there any positives to take uh, from the from the home science display? Yeah, I thought for half an hour in the first half they played. Uh, fantastically um, probably some of the best stuff they've played this season they scored a perfectly good goal which Sam Vokes headed in um, which the referee gave as a foul um, although I just said I don't want to harp on about refereeing decisions I think that was a, a poor decision and had that gone in you never know on the impact of the game uh, there was a penalty shout uh, the referee didn't give um, but then he didn't give it as a yellow card for diving for Anis either and it's, it's either one or the other in that situation um, and then Cambridge went up the other end and scored straight away had he stopped the player not giving a penalty in book tennis they don't score that goal maybe but it was still a defensive error that opened the door for them it was a great finish by the lad as well but um but yeah I think the positives were that first half performance uh the negative for me was the second half it looked like the frustration got into their heads a bit 
and um, they let that get the better of them because um, Cambridge, they switched off again. Cambridge got a third goal, uh, and albeit, you know, the consolation late on from Lewis Wing, it came too little too late. Um, but yeah, I think they'll look at what they did in the first half. They played some of the best stuff I've seen this season. And if they can do that for the majority of the game against Morecambe and also Port Vale, they should be fine. Gareth was frustrated after the game, but as I've just mentioned, um, I think he, he wanted to focus on on where his team could do better. You can't defend like that and expect to win games, you know. No matter how good we are going forward, and we were good tonight going forward, really good, the moments that counted, we didn't defend well enough, you know. And, and to, be three nil, uh, to, to be three goals against at home gives you a mountains climb, absolute mountains climb. So really disappointed with... Uh, the moments that counted. I said. I said on Saturday in the press. You know, it's about the moments. The moments of transition. Yeah, we should have had a penalty. It's an absolute stonewaller. How we haven't got it, I don't know. And how he's not booked Anis for diving. Then I think he's bottled the decision here. But then we've got to defend that next stage of play. You can't. You can't just go. Oh, we should have had a penalty. Give up. We've got to defend the next bit. And and that was frustrating. You know. And then the corner. I mean, free man, two yards out of the back stick. It's poor defending and we've got to make sure that we're better at that as well because we give ourselves a mountains climb and we were very good going forward very good hit the post we got a penalty I think we've had some real clear cut chances where probably should do better as well but um, you know two goals at home you expect to win games and uh, and I'm disappointed I'm gutted for the boys because I didn't see that coming you know that performance defensively because we've been so good for the last three games solid built up barriers look really solid and um and so that's disappointing for me. But listen, it's not the defenders or Max, it's the 11 that are on the pitch at the time because we win and lose as a team here. Um, one goal's a set piece where everyone's in the box, one goal's where we're herring back and one's from a throw-in, you know, and we've just got to be better with that because we give ourselves a mountain to climb. Uh, it's been a consistent back three for this run as well. We've lost Chris Farino due to illness. Is that another spanner in the works? Oh, of course, you know, I, I think Chris has been outstanding lately, but... Um, Jack Grimm has, has, you know, put himself forward. Uh, he, he's carrying a knock, uh, but he, he said, "Yep, I'll, I'll do a job for you." And, uh, and I want to thank Jack for, you know, going through the pain barrier for me. But um, it was um, it was hard, you know, to change such a solid outfit from Saturday. But it happens. That's why the squad's the squad, you know. And uh, and yeah, disappointing to lose Chris. He was ill. Uh, he hasn't been in the building for a couple of days, you know, he's, he's with illness. So um, hopefully he'll be back for weekend. But um, you know, we've just got to defend better as a team. It's, it's that simple. Tonight is about Cambridge United won because they hit our net more than we hit their net, and that's the story again. A disallowed goal in the first half as well. Yeah, from a push, and then Volksy gets pushed in the box, and the referee lets play on. It's frustrating that the consistency wasn't there tonight from the referee. Um, Listen, I'm old enough in the tooth not to get involved with uh, with any fines or or um, reprimands about having a go at referees. But I, I, for me, my personal opinion, I thought it was poor tonight. Uh, chance to put it right here again on Saturday against Morecambe. Yeah, absolutely. And this is football, you know. This is this is great, you know. We've got Morecambe, Port Vale, FA Cup coming up really quickly, you know. And, and it's going to be plenty of players the squad you know I managed to get the five subs on tonight and you know some uh, some good movements from some of them but like I say defensively as a whole unit we can be better we know we can this is a great bunch of boys you know I love working with them and some of the forward play like I say was, was awesome set piece goal again you know and, and we're almost clicking 
Um, don't want everyone thinking the wheels have come off yet. Don't worry about that. We've had three three wins on the spin and a defeat. We'll get back to winning ways pretty soon, I'm sure. So yeah, I guess just the, the disappointing um, aspect of Tuesday night was the, the as you say the, the defensive errors, and, and hopefully that won't won't continue, especially with with such a run of home games coming up now. Yeah, I think when they've let Gareth down in the past, they tend to respond well. Um, and like I said, there was a lot of positives to focus on moving forwards with the, with the team. Um, and you know, maybe big Chris Farina comes back in into what was a settled back three up to that point. I mean, Jack Grimmer didn't really do anything wrong uh, in in the game. Um, but yeah, I think it shows you just how fast someone like Chris Farina has come in a short space of time that when he has to pull out through illness, then we really missed him. Um, but we'll see what happens now against Morecambe. That's, it's never easy against Morecambe. They're always big games as well. Um, but we'll see what happens. But it's a family day as well. So it'll be well over a thousand people who possibly wouldn't normally be there on a match day. So hopefully the Wanderers can put in a real show for those guys. I think that's really special, isn't it? Because everyone remembers that. If, imagine if you were going to a game for the first time, perhaps you're a youngster, or just going along with the whole family, and, and you, you, you want to remember your first game and, and hopefully get a win, obviously. But you know, to, sort of to make you want to keep coming back. Yeah, you know, the the whole positive experience. I mean, everyone at the club is working very hard to make sure that the day is is memorable um, off the pitch as it can be. We can't control what goes on on the pitch, and I'm sure Gareth Ainsworth is working incredibly hard with his staff and players to make sure that if the people are there for the first time, they they have a great experience watching the game and enjoy going. I mean, I, I remember my first game at Lokes Park like it was yesterday, and it was a fantastic experience. And you get the bug, and you keep coming back. And here I am, however many years later. Uh, Let's not fill a blank in there. Uh, I'm still coming back. <laughs> I think that's something really nice as well, especially if you're if you're a youngster and you get to I don't know be quite close to the players or you know see them afterwards and get to have your picture taken or get them to sign something. That really sort of adds to the experience, doesn't it? Yeah, well, football's massive now, and if you go out to Tottenham or Arsenal or Chelsea or wherever, uh, you don't get the chance to do that. You know, the, the bus comes in with the blacked out windows, they drive under the stadium, and then the first time you see the players is when they walk out on the pitch at Wickham. Uh, if you get there early enough, you can hang out, hang around by the players' entrance. They'll stop and have photos with you, ask how you are, etc., like that. And, and for young kids, that's fantastic, um, and it's a real cornerstone of what Wickham's about. And it seems to be a really nice time to sort of, if you hadn't followed them before, to, to really kind of get on the on board, if you like, because, you know, they're on such a, a sort of charge up the table, if you like, and, and, and quite exciting time to, you know, see if they can make the, the, the top echelons of the league. Yeah, I think it's a tight league. They need to start putting a run of results together now. They kind of started doing that. I think it's really important how they bounce back in these next two home games. Then the FA Cup going to come, and then there's a couple of localish away games which they'll look at and, and be targeting maximum points as well if they can get through this next period of games with a decent amount of wins in there then I think they should be just outside the playoffs and then from there let's see where we go and another uh, event which has happened this week which is uh, was brilliant to, to, to attend and also to, to see come to fruition was was uh, Adebayo Akinfema of course back uh, in the area for his screening yeah brilliant to see Bayo back in the town and back in the town centre in the Wickham Swan um, brilliant to see um, you know the town coming together to celebrate one of its favourite ever players, uh, Wickham's EFL era top goal scorer as well, nonetheless. Uh, and just great, really, to catch up with Bayo and, and see what life is like after football um, at the age of 40. He seems to be really enjoying himself, as does everyone else, which is brilliant. Uh, the documentary is fantastic. I think it's very inspirational for everybody. And even if you don't like football, I think there's lots in it for for everyone there to kind of take a real lesson from life and Bayo. And Wickham Wanderers come out of it brilliantly as well. And great to see how much he means to the town and how much the, the town and area and people mean to him. 
Absolutely. The, the queue of people to meet him after the screening, uh, the first screening especially, was excellent. Uh, a lot of young kids getting their shirts signed, etc. There's been a load of FIFA going on in the town hall as well, and obviously that's close to Bayo's heart because that's been one of the big vehicles to propel him to worldwide fame. And uh, and yeah, it shows you know it shows you how much he means to, to these fans as well that he turns up and takes part in all that as well. Although Gareth McCleary reckons that Bayo's not that great at FIFA, but um, I've not asked that question yet. Pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed. Always a pleasure, Colin. Brilliant chatting to Phil. You can hear more from him on next week's show, of course. Uh, but also he'll be bringing you live commentary uh, from the game against Morecambe on uh, Saturday afternoon as well on Wanderers TV and here on Wickham Sound on 106.6 FM. Uh, or on Wanderers TV, of course, you can also hear in full uh, that chat with uh, manager Gareth Ainsworth. Also catch up with Nick Freeman as well after his goal uh, in this uh, sort of window of games, if you like, as well. Uh, after Tuesday's game against... Uh, Cambridge United at Adams Park I had to think there uh, you'll uh, recall that if you're listening to it live then uh, Danny Sender uh, was providing the uh, uh, co-commentary and uh, was uh, summarising for us after the full-time whistle as well Wickham didn't start the game too well um, going 1-0 down but found a way to get back into the game and it looked like Wickham were going to go on and be the stronger side throughout the game Again, caught with a sucket punch through Ironside, who was a threat throughout. It linked play well for them, meaning Cambridge could go into the second half, uh, into half time 2 1 up, which I think knocked the wind out of Wickham. Not only the goal, but the, the, the disallowed goal, the penalty opportunity from Amete. And unfortunately, coming out in the second half, they were unable to really build any momentum into the second half. And, you know, Cambridge again were able to hit Wickham with a sucker punch to make it 3 1. And then we just really couldn't get a foothold in the game. Great to get the goal at the end to put a little bit of a reflection on the scoreline, but yeah, sadly not not a good good night for Wickham. Sam Bucks comes round to applaud the home sections of the fans here at, at Adams Park, and well, Wickham now have to try and they've got some days now to come to terms with that frustration of that first half and another home game on Saturday. Dan, the perfect opportunity to put this one right. Yeah, they have to get past this. They've been on a great run and I think what they've got to do is recognise that. They've also got to recognise there were some really good moments throughout the game where they put Cambridge under some real pressure and they've got to, they've got to take those key moments and they've got to, they've got to take that into Monday. Danny Sender summarising for uh, us here at Wickham Sound and on Wanderers TV, of course, uh, with Phil. That was uh, live from Tuesday night after the full-time whistle against Cambridge United. More come to come, as mentioned on Saturday. It's a family fun day. Uh, we'll uh, bring you more details of what's on uh, offer and in store uh, there as well, including uh, the uh, cast members of Cinderella. Uh, Cinderella herself maybe be uh, doing something on the pitch with Bodger. Oh, no, she won't. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, add your own punchline there. Uh, more on the Wicked Wonder Show to come in a few moments' time. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderer Show, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth. We'll look back at Wickham Wanderers Women's FA Cup action and look ahead to who they have next, as well as previewing the reserves and under-18 side as well. But first, with a big thank you to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association, as always, uh, we're very fortunate to catch up with uh, former players, but also managers. Paul Bentz, who was someone who was in charge in the 80s, and uh, we've been catching up with him to find out not only how he arrived at the club, but uh, a bit before that as well. I started at Brighton and Hove Albion down in Sussex, where I came from. I then signed for Reading uh, in 1968, uh, made my debut for them in uh, 1969, and then transferred to Brentford in 1970 and spent seven years there. 
But during my time as a footballer, I was very interested in the coaching side of football. And I was one of the youngest people ever to take their prelim coaching badge. I was only 17. I, I was an apprentice professional at Brighton and Hove Albion. And three of us went from the club. One was a left-back, Scottish left-back called Bobby Baxter. And the other one was a right-winger called Howard Wilkinson. And Howard Wilkinson went on to manage Leeds United to win the first year of the Premiership. And uh, he also managed England. So uh, it's a nice memory for me to have that I got my prelim badge with those same two guys. And then I went on to get my full badge when I was 22 went up to Lillishaw in those days we used to have to go and got my full badge at 22. Um, from then on, was always involved in coaching in one way or another, either in prelim badges. I used to take conduct the courses and a lot of the courses were held at Bisham Abbey because I lived in Reading, Woking and Berkshire area in those days. A lot of the courses were at Bisham Abbey. So that's when I first got to meet Brian Lee. And Brian Lee was the chairman of Wickham Wanderers in June 1984 and invited me to come for an interview for the vacant manager's job of Wickham Wanderers Football Club. So how did you find so, the transition from playing to man- uh, coaching? Because I guess as well, it, it must be quite a sort of a strange kind of switch in a way. Well, all the time I was a footballer, I would coached. I would coached at non-league clubs. You know, Sunday, not Sunday league clubs, but, you know, um, a fairly basic level of football. Uh, and I'd always enjoyed the coaching side of the game. So I sort of enjoyed meeting lots of different people of different uh, abilities. And, and it was really nice to see the development of some people that you coach. Because I coached in schools. I coached at, uh, I was youth team manager at Queen's Park Rangers. I coached at Farnborough Town, I coached at Wokingham Town, I, um, and I, I, I just enjoyed that side of the game. So what was the sort of the club like? How did you find it when you arrived? Well, Wickham Wanderers was an elitist club, I would have said, in the Ishmian League in those days. Very, very different to what it is now. Um, I mean, super, super fantastic job they've done over the last 30 or 40 years. I mean, we had a ground called Lokes Park, uh, it had the famous slope on it, which made life quite difficult when you're trying to cross the ball. It either was along the ground or at, over everybody's head. But they were good days, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had some lovely players. I took over from a chap called Mike Keane, who was a well-respected uh, ex-Queens Park Rangers professional who had a sports shop in Wickham. So uh, it was big shoes to fill. But for, I was fortunate that I had a really good assistant in Alan Gain, and we managed to have a bit of success in our first season there, um, getting promoted and, and winning the League Cup. So, yeah, Wickham was. I'm trying. I'm, lo- I'm slightly lost for words to say how good they were held in esteem by the rest of the amateur non-league football world because of the past history of when Brian Lee was the manager and took them to uh, different uh, places like Middlesbrough and, uh, uh, and won different competitions throughout his career as the manager. So it was, it was a bit daunting to go there as the new manager, 
but we did okay. And did you find even, because I remember my early days of going to watch Wickham myself, even the, just the ground itself had to seem, it seemed to have its own character, didn't it, with the, the sort of stands and, the, as you say, the sloping pitch? Yeah, and I think at that level of football, it was one of the um, uh, better grounds aesthetically to, you know, when the player ran out there, he knew he was at a stadium, whereas some of the grounds in the old Ishmian League were, you know, um, not quite park pitches, but, uh, you know, a bit of railing around the uh, touchlines and that sort of thing. And uh, so it wasn't, but, but when players came to Wickham, they knew they were in for a game. And you must have had such a sense of pride as to what you managed to achieve during your time in charge. Yeah, we we did okay. The following season, after getting promotion and winning the cup, we got to the third round of the FA Cup. And I'm not sure, but I think I was only the third manager in the history of the club to get the team to the third round of the FA Cup. I know Brian Lee did it with the Middlesbrough game, and I can't remember the other time, but... Yeah, I, I we got to the third round of the FA Cup, but unfortunately that coincided with me being promoted in my full-time job because all the time I was at Wickham Wanderers, it was a part-time job. It wasn't a full-time employment like it would be now. Uh, in those days, we were all part-time. Even the players, you know, everybody was part-time. So I got promoted with my full-time job when I came out of professional football, I got a job as a salesman for a brewery, of all things. So I had to spend most of my day drinking beer, which was <laughs> terrible, as you can imagine. You, you um, seem to have got through it. <laughs> no, not really. But um, I got promoted. So instead of being a salesman on the road where I could, if you want to use a, a an overused expression, I could duck and dive a little bit. And if I wanted to go off and watch a combination game on an afternoon, I could. Whereas uh, I got promoted to be the sales director and I couldn't, therefore, I had to be in the office most days. And it was very, very difficult for me to do both jobs, the football and um, and the full-time job. So uh, that's when I went and saw Brian Lee and apologised and said I'm going to have to resign because I can't do both. I can't give both of them my undivided attention. Uh, so uh, I left in the, the January of 86. But my last game in charge was the third round of the FA Cup and we beat Colchester United, uh, who were a league club, in the first or second round, I can't remember which, which got us to the third round. But they um, did the draw for some reason. I can't remember for what reason, but they did the draw at 5.30 on the Saturday evening. So we we were uh, elated. We were in the dressing room. Champagne was flowing. Uh, we were all celebrating. And then they did the draw. So we're all sat in the dressing room listening for the draw. And we were in the hat with Arsenal and Liverpool and Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspurs and all the top clubs. And we drew York City away, which was pretty desperate. So we went from being totally elated at getting to the third round of the FA Cup to... Yeah, being uh, totally depressed because we had to go to York City. And when we went to York City, the pitch was frozen. We travelled the day before, uh, didn't have the right footwear probably, most of us. So we're slipping and sliding around. On the day, we lost 2-0, but we actually scored three goals. And I don't know whether Alan Hutchinson or one of the boys there at Wickham will have uh, the videotape. 
Um, but apparently a couple of the goals were onside, but the linesman was a bit flag-happy and gave us offside. So we, we were a bit unlucky in that third-round uh, tie. I mean, I had some great players. I inherited some great players. Anton Vixhouse, Kenny Wilson, Bobby Dow, Gary Lester. Um, but we made some key signings. We signed Declan Link. Uh, Simon Reid, both of who scored over 20 goals in our first season. Um, Dave Burgess from Oxford City, uh, Kevin Collins from Staines, and then we got Mark West as an 18-year-old from West Ham. So we made some fairly important uh, signings, and and it was a very enjoyable time for me. Um, It's just a shame it couldn't have lasted a bit longer. That must have been great to sort of brought Mark West to the club. He's someone that we've had on the show as well and obviously watching him when I was younger as well and, and know what a great impact he had at the club as well. Yeah, yeah, Westy's good boy, good boy. Mm. So overall, how do you sort of look back on, on your time at the club? Well, I, I look back on my career uh, with a lot of fondness. Um, certainly the playing side of it was fantastic, but um, the coaching side had a bit of success. Yeah, enjoyed coaching the youngsters at schools. I used to, when I was a player at Brentford, uh, I used to leave training uh, after training at lunchtime and then drive down into Twickenham and teach at a school down there probably three or four afternoons a week. Um, And it was extra cash in those days because we weren't particularly well paid in those days as professional footballers. And I enjoyed coaching the youngsters. And I particularly enjoyed conducting the uh, the prelim badge coaching courses at Bishop Abbey, like I said earlier, where I met Brian Lee, who was the chairman of Wickham Wanderers at the time, but he was also the managing director at Bishop Abbey. And when I took over at Wickham, they, the uh, facilities at, at uh, Bishop Abbey were made available to us for training purposes. So Alan Gain and I were able to establish um, some good routines there that got the players ready for the games on the Saturday. So it, it, was, it all worked out extremely well. Like I say, it was just a shame. It, did, it came to an end rather abruptly when I, when I got promoted by the brewery to be a boss man rather than one of the lads, as it were. It just seems so special what football can bring, isn't it? Like the sense of community. And as you say, when you're working with young players and watching their development as well. Yeah. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time in the game. Funnily enough, when I left Wickham Wanderers, I never went anywhere else. That was me finished with football, which, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know whether it was the right decision. You can look back on life and know whether you made the right decisions or the wrong decisions, but I, I just decided that that was me with football and um, I took up golf, which of which I'm pretty useless at these days um, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed that so something took the place on a Saturday afternoon I had to have something to take the place of football and I used to go and play golf every Saturday afternoon after that and I imagine you still look out for, for Wickham's results oh absolutely yeah absolutely it's always um, uh, Wickham Wanderers um, Brentford uh, Brighton and Reading those four teams uh, are very close to my heart uh, and what about when one of them plays each other? 
uh, which doesn't <laughs> happen very often. So I, I always uh, hope for a draw. Really good to chat to Paul Bentz, a former Wickham Wanderers manager, of course. And uh, big thanks as always to the Wickham Wanderers Ex Players Association. Of course, last week we had Alan Hutchinson, uh, the chairman, and JDT, vice chairman, uh, on talking about their uh, annual dinner, which is back on the 18th of November. Speaking of back, uh, our uh, notice board section returns Hooray. to the show. Uh, Luke's with us, who's been uh, providing heckles so far. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, I was at the Swan yesterday. I, was, I got into that mood. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, we were at Wickham Swan for... Uh, we, we went in the afternoon session, didn't we? We did. We went for a little break-in at the Wickham Swan and then uh, the evening session of watching the documentary. Yes. The break-in refers to the fact that we were... Uh, <laughs> I, I just like having to leave it to you to then explain the story. Yes, in case it comes up in court. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were directed to the Oak Room entrance. Yes. Which was locked. Yep, as, as well uh, as the Town Hall entrance. Yes. Yeah. So we had to find a side door, which we were very kindly... Uh, yeah, thank you to Ignite for letting us in. We were gained access because somebody recognised you. <laughs> yes, that worked well. They gave me an umbrella once. Yeah. <laughs> See? That's uh, showbiz life I That's live. proper networking, that is. <laughs> uh, we'll hear in a few moments' time from uh, the Akin Fenwars, who, of course, are Adebayo, uh, Yemi and Delhi. They sound like some sort of family fortunes team. Don't I, they? I, I, after seeing the family on um, on the afternoon, I want them to go and do it because I think they'd be very funny. Yes, and also big congratulations to uh, Agnieszka Marzek, who with her son uh, went along, uh, yes. who was our winner. Uh, the answer, by the way, in case you're wondering, uh, if to, you might know uh, how many league goals uh, Bayer scored was fifty two. Very impressive. That was the answer to our competition. Uh, turning the attention now, though, to Wickham Wanderers women. Who were who, also there last night. They were there yeah. in force. Yeah. Uh, saw uh, Carl Simon and a number of the other players as well. And uh, they unfortunately exited the uh, Women's FA Cup on Sunday at Burnham uh, to Aylesford in the third qualifying round. But uh, they were 4-0 down at half-time and came back to 4-3 with yeah. only a couple of minutes to go. So uh, literally time ran out, but a uh, fantastic battling back display. And of course, uh, they returned to action this weekend as well. Uh, they do indeed. Wickham Wanderers women this weekend uh, face Abingdon Town Women's Football Club. Uh, that's a, a 2pm kickoff. It is away though uh, this weekend. Uh, the reserve squad are in League Cup action at uh, the Burnham Stadium, the 1878 Stadium, uh, where they face uh, official MK... Uh, City FC. I realised that I read the Twitter name. Uh, just Milton Keynes. <laughs> That's not part of their name. <laughs> MK City. Uh, and uh, the under-18s are, who are doing very well, uh, they are playing uh, Notts County uh, at Notts County. They face at. Uh, they don't have a Twitter account. <laughs> as all teams will now be known as. It's playing so well. When I do the classified football results, I'll just add at to each of the names. Yeah. Official. You'll be fine in the Premiership because most of them have their name. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, still to come on the Wicked Wonder Show, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth. Uh, it looks very tired. He's had a long day. I've had a long day. <laughs> long days, in fact. Yeah. Uh, more from him, though, uh, throughout. Possibly, you might hear him in the background. As the Wicked Wonder Show continues here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Final part of this week's Wickham Wanderer show. Still to come, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth, who uh, spoke to us earlier on today from Adams Park. He was attending a business networking event. They had an auction afterwards, which uh, Phil was the auctioneer at. He's very good at that. He's annoyingly good at everything, though. It's very upsetting. And a signed uh, Gareth Ainsworth shirt commemorating 10 years in management went for £480. Wow. Pounds. Well done to the lucky winner of that. They did get a photograph with him as well as part of the prize. Oh, they didn't have to pay for that extra. <laughs> that was free, I think. It's an extra 50 quid. <laughs> that was done uh, by the side of the pitch oh, uh, so nice. that was pretty good uh, that's still to come as well but first talking of showbiz events sort of uh, as mentioned we were at uh, Wickham Swan yesterday uh, for the premiere of Beast Mode on yes. the fantastic documentary which is available from tomorrow it is 
on Amazon and uh, we caught up with, as I say, uh, the Akin Fenwas uh, in the uh, the build-up to the uh, afternoon screening. Uh, you'll hear from Yemi and Delhi, who are uh, Adebayo's brothers, in a few moments' time. But first, we wanted to gauge uh, how the beast was feeling. It's it's surreal. Um, and it's funny because I I remember when I, I, I wrote the book and I, I was saying that I kept on using the word mind-boggling when I had the book and the, the physical book was in front of me. And and then, I, so I, I thought I'd be a little bit more prepared. To, but then when you see it on the big screen after the whole year and a half we was doing it, um, listen, it's surreal. It, it's mind-boggling and it's humbling. I, I saw the beginning bit. I made sure I saw the beginning bit on the, the, the theatre screen and it was like the statement, you know, started at Hackney Marshes and now on a big cinema screen. So, look, it, it's humbling right now. And there must be so many emotions for both you and your family too. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm still waiting because I, I think I said something about my mum in there, so I'm kind of scared. I hope she don't see it. That's what I'm. That's my, the biggest thing I'm most nervous about. But no, listen, I'm here, and I've always stated that throughout my journey, I've never been able. To, I never had to go alone. Um, so good, bad, or indifferent, that like my family's always been here, and this momentous occasion, they're here with me, sort of thing. So it, it, it means so much more with, with, um, to be here with the family and to be able to go through this project with the family. And I guess a huge sense of pride for yourselves as well. Oh no, 100%. Um, all of us are very close and actually seeing this documentary come to life, is, it's, it's really kind of satisfying. And we've always said, um, the brothers, that there's a story in us and I think this is something that we always felt was a good story to tell. Not only my brother's story, but also just the journey of family and how family plays such an important role in anyone's kind of um, development and I think it's just really good that people are going to get to see that story and family is something that really comes across in it as well of course I mean you're going to get a lot of that in this documentary you see I mean it really highlights the brotherhood and dynamics between you know all the different relationships that B has with every individual family member and you it really comes across on on screen so yeah man you're going to get a good insight to the people behind the beast <laughs> And the collaborations as well they, that you worked with and, and to bring it all together and, you know, to have so many different sort of characters, if you like, in it too. Yeah, you know what, it's just, um, I'll always say I wasn't a conventional footballer, um, a nice way to put it. And then I, I, I guess it's just, it's nice to be able to put it all in one place and see other elements. I mean, look, those that follow me on social media will kind of know, you know, what I keep up to and, you know, how I manoeuvre in my life. But to be able to come across it, and I've always stated that, I think when something finishes, it allows you to take time and just take stock and look back. And I think that's what this documentary did. Um, you know, it made me look back to, to where it kind of started um, and to kind of how far we have got and to how far we still want to go. So, you know, just to see it in one place. Yeah, man, I can only come back to this saying it's humbling. And a real sort of education, if you like, for people who obviously perhaps obviously don't know you, but th- th- there's much to sort of learn, if you like. Yeah, listen, you know what? I've, and I've stated that what I want people to take away. Listen, when they interact with me, I want people to, to feel my energy or to know that I'm authentic. And then also when they watch this documentary, I, the, the word inspire, I want people to to go away feeling comfortable in who they are, comfortable in their own skin. Because, listen, in society nowadays, I think a lot of people like to say what you can't do. But then I also want to see that, listen, it's not always been laughs and jokes, that there is a process um, and you've got to trust in the process and you've got to believe in yourself. So, you know, when people watch this, I do want them to be able to take away and say, yeah, you know what? Nah, man, I'm good. I'm comfortable in my own skin and I just want to be the best version of myself. 
And when you're putting it together, does it feel like you're sort of kind of split into sort of there's you, the, the footballer, you, the person, you, the family man? Um, no, because I, I, for me, I'm, I am it all. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I actually... I'm the individual to so strip everything away and this is why I come back to saying that the authenticity of the of, of me as an individual strip everything away I'm going to be who I am doesn't matter you know if I've got or if I haven't got um, so you know football is something I did I was blessed I played it for 22 years um, there was ups and downs um, you'll see I, I, I stated on it like I wanted to, to finish my career you know with a fairy tale ending um, but then take away it didn't end in a fairy tale but then you take the positives and the sense where my last game was at Wembley so for me when they take the the whole documentary and as a whole you know I want people to to walk away feeling like look you know what um, I am very much comfortable in my own skin and it's a, it's a film that has such a wide appeal people will meet you from you know all ages from really young kids up to you know elderly people and, and obviously people who, who want to be footballers themselves yeah listen because I, I feel like everybody's got a story to tell and everybody's got trials and tribulations and it doesn't matter what walk of life um, be it parents, nurses, athletes, um, teachers you know, we've all got a story to tell and this story is is no different I, I'm very honest out there and I, I say look I went through trials and tribulations I said I, there were setbacks um, but then at the same time it's that resilience that sometimes you have to be able to first and foremost believe in you as the individual um, and listen I state a 40 year old acting from talks differently from a 21 year old acting from of course but that's what I feel like I want people to, to take away from this um, and hopefully it relates you know to, to to the youngest of the FIFA players and to the oldest of the individuals I hope they take out and can relate in one aspect or another as you say really inspirational for, for kind of your journey it sounds like a good cliche doesn't it but but fantastic that you know Gareth uh, there was a social media clip this morning wasn't there saying you're missed as a father figure and that must give you a great sense of pride that you're able to have that influence on the team I took the oldness out of that comment <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you but nah. <laughs> no um, but yeah you know what the thing is um, and look I always say for me, the testament of you as an individual or how you've left your mark is how people talk about you. Um, or like he said, um, and I saw it, it was sometimes you don't know what you've got until it goes. And it's the same in reverse. I can't replicate that bond, that changing room. Like, listen, like, at the moment, I don't miss the game. I don't miss the pounding. Well, my knee doesn't miss that anyway. But I miss the changing room. Listen, I miss the togetherness. I miss getting up um, and knowing the role I played. And that's what I had to learn as an individual. And I think people have to adapt in life. I, had to, I wasn't playing of many minutes but I knew my role was you know to be there to I'd, I'd been there and I'd done it so certain emotions to be able to handle um, so listen it's likewise if they miss me trust me I miss them too I was going to say what's the process been like to sort of stop has it been quite easy or yeah listen I've, I've been busy I, I stated this um, I didn't think I'd be as busy as what I am um, but anybody that knows me uh, I struggle um, standing still anyway uh, to be fair I just set myself up people say I stand still on a pitch but that wasn't true <laughs> I did move eventually, especially in the box. Um, but listen, I struggle standing still. I say struggle standing still, but I do like to be active. I like to keep on the move. So I have been busy. So the transition um, at the moment's been, it, it, it's been, I'd say seamless, but I've enjoyed it. I'm a creature of habit. I still work out. I still still do the bike. Um, but I'll always say, and I come back that football was something I did. I think the, the, the problem is when your identity is in something. So I know people would perceive me as, you know, I can friend with a footballer, but I'll always see me as, I can friend who played football. 
And just finally, what do you hope people take away from the documentary? You know what? I, I honestly hope people take away that, you know, it's okay to be unapologetically yourself. Um, that in this society nowadays, people focus on what you can't do. Um, but I do hope that when they do watch it, they kind of believe that, you know what, if you believe it, you can achieve it and anything's possible. It was a privilege to uh, have the opportunity to speak to uh, Bayer and his brothers and also to uh, see the screening as well. VIP screening we went to. I know. I've been saving this story. I didn't mention it on Drive Time. Uh, I have mentioned it to other people not on air but um we uh many players and uh former members of wicked wanderers uh, were there including and this is very weird to say and we all said it yesterday and felt very weird uh former player and coach matt bloomfield uh who was also there who sort of came into the theater at the same time as us um and he said oh i don't, I don't think i'm a vip ticket i'm i have to go and sit over here and we're like matt if me and colin are vip then you are definitely <laughs> vip please come with us i don't think we're vip really yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. Uh, but what, what did you think, obviously, of the, of the documentary? It was very interesting in a, in, a, in a fact of I didn't really know much of Bayo's childhood and sort of and stuff like that, obviously. But like the, the, the his early bits of football. Going to Lithuania as yeah, well. Yeah, I didn't really understand. I, well, I didn't know much about that. So that was really interesting to hear more in depth about that. And I think it was really interesting to see more of the family side of Bayo and his routine, which I think, you know, if, if everyone probably follows Bayo on some sort of social media you see the stuff that he's doing every day but you don't realize how early that routine starts and what he goes through and also what he goes through went through at the end of his career with his knee really hurting him and the injections that he had to do uh, like before training and before a game um, and which then sort of you understand why he, he kind of had to give up um, football at the end of uh, last season. It feels like it was long ago, but yeah, last season. Um, and it's just interesting to see what he's going to be doing next. Obviously, there's a lot of rumours of what he's going to be doing. Um, but yeah, it, I'm, it was a really, really good documentary. And um, yeah, it's out tomorrow and I highly recommend it. Great to see some of the footage as well at Adams Park, of course, on that, that final game of yeah. his. There's a very uh, nice moment at the end as well. Yes. Yeah, don't, don't miss that. No. Uh, and also, there's these really nice stories about, you know, how his family sort of help him with when there's rejection, because obviously he's been to a lot of clubs mm. and, and, and faced injury issues as well and got to, turned down by a number of managers as well. But there's a real sense as well as to what's to come in, in the future for him as well. You get to see um, his agent speaking about, you know, some of the many opportunities that uh, are there. And uh, after the uh, afternoon screening as well, we caught up with uh, a number of people who'd seen it and uh, to get their thoughts. It was good and inspirational. What was your favourite bit? The clips where it showed about football. Very interesting. It's good to see that the influence that he had on our team, but on those two in particular, you know, Bloomfield and Gareth, you know, and the positive bits and pieces that Gareth and Bloomfield were putting into him, you know, and the rest of the team as well. I thought it was really interesting. It was a great insight into a really inspirational person. Well, a great guy. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the positivity that comes through it is inspiring yeah and all the way through from 2020 I had cancer and so I read Neil Harmon's book and just the kind of like the inspiration got me through my chemo and just sort of with the positivity sort of like of just like how you deal with your mental attitude is definitely sort of like led me forwards and yeah it's time to start again. What was your favourite bit? When they were flying in the helicopter. (laughs) The helicopter was a real. It's my like favourite bit yeah. as well. <laughs> it's brilliant to see anybody <laughs> flying in a helicopter. Well, there's nice aerial views of uh, Adams Park. Absolutely. I'm sure that child had never seen Wick and Wanderers from that f- high up. No, exactly. Yeah. 
Just watch it for that if, if you get the <laughs> Just for the, no, watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just look out for the helicopter. <laughs> no, really fantastic to, to gauge people's uh, thoughts. And yeah, as we mentioned, I uh, thoroughly recommend uh, seeing it. It's out tomorrow. Yeah, and the question and answer session that we saw afterwards was really interesting to just see the, the dynamic. Obviously, we saw the dynamic of the brothers on the on the documentary but to actually see that in person as well was was really good yes uh, something else which uh, happened uh, a little earlier on today was at adams park there was a business networking lunch mm. i know <laughs> wasn't expecting that to have its own sound effect <laughs> uh, where uh, gareth addressed uh, the business community uh, of the area as well and really talked uh, well about how you know what he does at the football club can be uh, you know replicated in, in in business as well took a number of questions uh, talking about how he deals with certain characters in the team as well and uh, we spoke to him a bit about that afterwards yeah, brilliant, brilliant event. Um, Phil Alexander and Matt, Phil Catchball, you know, they've all, they've all come together to put a, a great business networking event on, which I was lucky enough to be able to speak at and, uh, and sort of give some of my, my management techniques and values to, to, to these you know, fantastic businesses that come and support us and want to get involved with the Wickham and, and just are interested in, in how we do things here as well. So hopefully, like me, people have took things away from today, but... Um, no, really, really pleased with uh, with how today's gone. You know, it's uh, been uh, you know a tough couple of days after the the defeat against uh, Cambridge the other night. You know, which I thought we were superb in. You know, really performed well. But things like this are great. You know, they they put things in perspective. And uh, we're back at the training ground this afternoon, trying to pick the bones out of the Morecambe team and see how we can hurt them. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's uh, really nice to see that there's so many so many great people supporting the club. And fascinating as well how, you know, obviously people who are football fans and in business to be you know, keen to hear what you say, but obviously other businesses can sort of apply what you're telling them as well. Yeah, I think as, as managers and leaders and people, you, 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 it's nice to get verification that what you do is good and, and I'm sure everyone's doing a lot of the similar stuff to us, but little snippets here and there that we can add to our armoury as, uh, as, as these managers is, is great, you know. So, um, no, I'm, I'm hoping that we uh, it's been a beneficial, uh, you know, uh, mutual sort of gain out today and uh, and I'm looking forward now to, to getting the boys ready today tomorrow for uh, for more come on Saturday because uh, when I get back to winning ways the boys have been doing really well lately and, uh, and the performance of the night warranted a win there's a few factors that didn't get that and we're going to work on those in the next couple of days and I said more of the same please guys because they were, they were sensational going forward just one or two uncharacteristic mistakes uh, at, at times but um Again, we, uh, we pride ourselves in learning from those and, and putting it right for this weekend. In sort of days that you have to, to prepare for, for the next game, do you sort of work on, so if there are defensive errors in a game, do you sort of work on that specifically or do you just literally just tell them and think, oh, they, they realise that, then that'll, that'll be better next time? Yeah, it's all learning, you know, and, and everyone makes a mistake and, and you've got to make sure that that doesn't become a commonplace. And, uh, and it's just, uh, you know, a couple of decisions went against us at the wrong times. I thought, you know, referee, for me, didn't go our way and that's as much as I say on that but um, it was tough to swallow after such a great possession based attacking performance you know I know possession doesn't win you games but when we do control the whole game like we did on Tuesday night it would be nice to uh, to get the rewards um, you know I, th- I thought the, the goal with Volksy scoring disallowed was inconsistent to other challenges during the game uh, penalty was a stonewaller for me and uh, and uh, unfortunately we didn't get either of them and uh, that would have been a totally different game but um, no we go again on Saturday really looking forward to Morecambe coming down because uh, it's a Saturday it's a, it's a family day at Wickham hopefully get a few fans in here and, uh, and show them what we're all about so what would you say to supporters who perhaps not been to Adams Park before and this could be their, their first visit oh get down and get down and see what all the noise is down the road because you know, this this team is is the team to be proud of at Wickham. You know, we're competing 
in, in what is a great League One this season. You know, the next step is the Championship, which is always a phenomenal step to make. But um, we're really looking forward to, to welcoming as many people as we can down here. You know, I want, I want to see more Wickham shirts in the town. I want to see... I want to see kids supporting their local team. It's very easy to go and support a Premier League team, which uh, which you don't really have a connection to. Come down and, and connect to these boys because they'll sign your autographs, they'll high five you, they'll get you involved on the pitch. Even you know at times because we we need the fans. It's uh, such a tight knit ground and a, and a brilliant family club that we uh, we need our fans and we uh, we want you down here getting behind us. And you've got a run of home games now, of course, as well. You'll be looking to, to make home advantage count. Yeah, um, you know it doesn't always work like that. I remember back in the day I used to be better away from home but um, we certainly have made this place a fortress over the years and you know the uh, the last couple of seasons have been great at home as I say the other night I'm not going to be result focused it was a it was a great performance and uh, and if we can keep performing like at home and away then we'll win a lot more games than we lose and uh, and that'll put us in great stead we could have gone seventh the other night which is crazy after the start we've had and uh, and I think we could probably get seventh if uh, all results go for us on Saturday but we've got to do our job first and that's uh, pitching against the Morecambe team that's been very competitive over the two seasons they've been in this league and just finally something else that really comes across the questions you were asked a short while ago is like the relationships in teams and, and that was something which really came across in um, Bayo's documentary last night yeah I mean, fantastic night you know and uh, and I was really proud to be uh, to be invited to that and, and play a small part in it as well at the end there you know with uh, trying to get across the true character of, of Akin Feng and what he meant to Wickham and what he did for us and, uh, and I think that um I think we should embrace that and be proud of that. So anyone who gets the chance, uh, I'd definitely give it a watch on Amazon. You know, it's uh, it's, it's a real sort of pro Wickham film and, uh, and and talks about the values we've got here as as well as a fantastic footballing career from uh, from a humble guy. Um, who, who, you know, learned his trade in the in sort of cages of South London and uh, and made it to, to you know sort of worldwide stardom of uh, of the strongest footballer in the league. He's a, he's, he's a great guy and. Uh, Last night it was great to see some of the ex-players coming down and, and seeing a, a good turnout for Bale, um, and I'm sure he'll be rooting for his Saturday as well. So hopefully we can get the right result and then can uh, end what's been a great week. Great chat to you, the manager. Of course, it's a family fun day on Saturday. Yeah, lots going on. Uh, Cinderella's going to be there with her carriage. Uh, I believe there may be some on-the-pitch on flirting uh, between Bodger and Cinderella. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work. That could have blossomed into something beautiful by Christmas. Yeah, but don't worry, I will be filming it. Um, and lots more going on as well, including the return of the fireworks as well, which I'm very excited about, although I won't see them. Because <laughs> you'll be facing the other way. Yeah, I'll be on the wrong side. Lots to look forward to. You've got full match commentary, of course, uh, on Wanderers TV and here on Wickham Sound 106.6 on Saturday. And uh, the build-up starts from midday in the car park. It does. Looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Have a fantastic week. Many thanks to Lee for listening and uh, up the wick, as I say. Come on, you please. Have a great uh, game on Saturday.